we primarily start with underwriting and looking at who are they selling to? Are they selling to Walmart or are they selling to, you know, Bob's tire shop down the road? So we can base our credit decision probably 80% based on the credit quality of who they're selling to. But you're right, that other 20%, especially with the startup is, you know, how experienced is the management team? Have they, are they well entrenched in the industry and they're just branching off and starting their new company? All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Happy Dog Soundbites podcast. And today's guest is with FSW Funding, and her name is Robin Barrett. Let me uh, introduce her really quick to you. She founded FSW and brought with her 25 years of experience in finance with an emphasis on asset-based lending. Prior to founding FSW, Robin worked for a national commercial finance company, Fanova Capital Corporation, where she last served as Assistant Vice President Marketing for Fanova Portfolio Services. Robin also worked as a senior underwriter and senior analyst where she gained knowledge in underwriting, sales, loan negotiations, and management. She's also a certified public accountant and has a master's in business management. Basically, she can do everything that you'd ever want financially. <laughs> so Robin, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Uh, great. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Not a problem. So let's just dive right into it. Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your business? Sure. Yeah. So I started FSW funding about 20 years ago and basically to fill a niche that I thought was underserved, which was offering uh, factoring lines of credit to small to medium sized businesses. And although banks do that and other lenders do it, I thought that basically having a more personal touch and putting an emphasis on customer service would better serve that group. So we started 20 years ago, primarily based in Arizona, which is where FSW is headquartered. Um, we've been able to grow over the last 20 years, uh, and now we're a nationwide lender. So we've got clients in California, the East Coast, the Midwest. Uh, I've got business development people in California, Arizona, and in Georgia that basically helped me cover or help FSW cover the entire country. That's, that's fascinating. And you mentioned you work with small and medium-sized businesses. Is there a certain capital range that you work with a certain dollar amount of revenue that the businesses bring in? Sure, sure. We will start with, or we will work with startups. Usually that is a case-by-case -case basis. We're really looking, when we look at startups, we're really looking for a, a very experienced management team in the product or service that they're selling. But we will work with startups. A lot of companies won't. Yeah, so that's good. Um, and we'll go all the way up to probably companies that are maybe doing maybe even $50 million in revenue a year. Okay. And when you're working with these startups, do you, you have to make sure that their business is sound, they have a great plan, they have investors, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure there's protocol that you follow with that. Correct. So as an asset-based lender, we're really primarily underwriting the credit worthiness of our client's customer. We call those debtors. So we primarily start with underwriting and looking at who are they selling to? Are they selling to Walmart or are they selling to, you know, Bob's tire shop down the road? So we can base our credit decision probably 80% based on the credit quality of who they're selling to. But you're right, that other 20%, especially with the startup, is, 
you know, how experienced is the management team? Have they are they well entrenched in the industry and they're just branching up and starting their new company? That's a plus. Uh, were they selling cars yesterday and today they're selling cat toys? Probably not a good fit for us because they probably don't have the experience in the retail sector. So again, we really look at that point for a startup is, is how well can the management team execute you know, the, the products or services. So, but again, that, that's 20%. And the good thing for with us and the startups is a startup can come to us and have no historical performance, no historical cash flow. Again, we're primarily looking at the credit quality and who they're selling to. So you get a company that, let's say, created widgets, and it's the hottest new thing. And they got they received a large contract or purchase order from, let's say, Costco. As long as you know they can afford to produce the goods, then we can fund against the invoice once it's delivered. And what that really does is it just speeds up the cash flow for that company. So instead of having to wait 30, 45, 60 days for Costco to pay, we'll advance anywhere between 80 to 90% of that invoice amount on day one. The company can then turn around and use those funds to pay vendors, make payroll, and, and all of that. So really what we're doing is we're helping those companies, startup or, or experienced uh, companies, to smooth out their cash flow so their cash inflow more closely matches the cash outflow. And I think that can be summarized perfectly with the tagline that I've seen floating around your name. Is it turn invoices into cash today? Is that ex- is basically what you're talking about here? Correct. Correct. All right. Perfect. And and geography doesn't seem to be a barrier for you. You'd mentioned that you work in the Midwest as well. That's correct? Correct. Correct. So we will work with, so all of our clients are U.S. based, but we do have clients that maybe have uh, customers that are in a foreign country. So again, being kind of a, a more nimble private company allows us to make some exceptions, whereas maybe a bank or a larger lender couldn't. So you know, again, we take a real close look at our clients' receivable base, the diversification, and we can make some exceptions for if they have a concentration, maybe they only have a couple clients, uh, maybe they've got some foreign customers. So we can work with them to one, first of all, maximize the amount of cash that they can get. Okay, no, that that makes a hundred percent sense. And pivoting on that a little bit, I know another service you offer. Or, or I guess it would be a specialty is working with troubled companies and returning them to solvency and they're, they need some turnaround management, let's say. Um, how do you do that? So again, usually when a company has experienced maybe negative cash flow for the previous quarter, or they maybe they have one of their customers that went bankrupt that caused a disruption in a business, those usually are clients that are with a bank or with another, another lender, and the other lender or the bank is we can't underwrite the business. We can no longer extend credit to this business because they don't fit our credit profile anymore. So those companies will come to us. And again, because we're underwriting their account receivable, then we can continue to fund them while they're fixing other problems. So for example, let's say you have a company that was selling to ABC company last year and ABC company went out of business. So it caused the client to maybe show a loss of a million dollars in the previous year. 
So the client doesn't really have an issue with their operations. They just had an issue with one of their customers not being able to pay. Banks and other lenders can't help them. They can't extend credit to them anymore. But we can come in and say, okay, we'll go ahead and we're going to lend against those receivables that you have on your books today. And as you continue to create receivables, we can continue to fund against those to make sure that you have cash flow to continue with your business and to you know continue to build back your retained earnings so your balance sheet looks better. And the idea is to help these companies and build them back up so they probably move back into more of a traditional line of credit with a bank. That makes 100% sense. So if they're um, floundering a little bit financially, you... You, you stay on your side of the line with the financial part of it. Do you ever cross that line and go into, hey, you're, you're running your business a little bit wrong in this area and do, I guess, almost in a way some business consulting or do you kind yeah. of leave that up to them and they have to get their ducks in a row? No, I think that everybody in, in that sense should kind of stay in their lane and there we can we can help them identify individuals or companies that, that can work with them very closely, can help them produce those rolling 13-week cash flows to help them really understand maybe their business, maybe understand why they're, you know, all of a sudden maybe they're not making money. And it could be something as simple as maybe they're they're selling product, they're selling a product that has a lower gross margin and they've shifted their product mix more to that. So again, while we can see that, really that's not our specialty or what we do best. What we do best is understanding the credit of their customers and, and making sure that we can give them as much availability against those receivables as possible. But again, we can refer experts in that can help them, or maybe they've got somebody that they hired a turnaround expert that they have. But again, I mean, I, I think um, that is such a specialized business and it's, it's needs so much focus that it's not something that we really want to do or probably is, are as good at doing as other people. Okay. And what do you think the, biggest thing would be holding a business back from realizing they need turnaround solutions. You know, it could be their ego or their history or personnel or red tape. Uh, what do you think holds businesses back sometimes from reaching out to a company like yours? I think a hundred percent of, and I, I don't want to say ego because, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and, and I don't know if it's, I guess it's a little bit of it's ego because they think they can fix the problem. A lot of times people think that the issue was, you know, identified and fixed, but maybe it wasn't. Um, and, and a lot of times it's really good to get a third party in that can help negotiate with, let's say, vendors. So if you've got a company that's had some cash flow issues, more than likely, if you look at their accounts payable, they're stretching a lot of their vendors. And you get these owners who have relationships with these, these vendors, maybe they're friends of theirs. And, and it's much harder to negotiate with somebody that's your friend or, you know, or you're feeling pressure because maybe the, the vendor is, is better negotiating than the owner of the business is. So that is where I think it's helpful to bring in a, a turnaround expert. And I think that's where some business owners, you know, it takes them a little while to figure out that, you know, maybe this isn't the best and highest use of my time and I'd be better to get a third party in. And a third party that can negotiate on my behalf with my vendors or, or my landlord or, you know, my bank or whatever. So I think the biggest thing that holds businesses back in, in terms of hiring somebody is, is uh, delaying the inevitable. 
That makes sense. A hundred percent. And sometimes they just need to finally engage. And when they, when they do engage and they, they finally get over that hump and say, okay, you know what? We do need somebody to negotiate on our behalf. Uh, besides the obvious black and white, the numbers are different. What's the first light bulb that goes off insinuating that they should have done this sooner? You know, I think once a business owner, you know, when you've got a business owner and things are in trouble and they're trying to manage so many things and juggle everything and make sure that they're doing payroll. And I think that once they, they can bring an expert in and they, they, they kind of hand that off, it's such a relief. And then that business owner really can focus on moving the business forward, whether it's, you know, solidifying new business, whether it's developing new product, you know, uh, going into a new territory. So I think that's kind of where the light bulb goes off, where they bring somebody in and all of a sudden they're like, you know what, all of that tremendous pressure is now off my shoulders. Um, I can uh, I can now manage my business and, and move it forward versus focusing on the past. Yes, like FSW's got this covered. I don't have to worry about that. Now I can worry about what I should be worrying about, which is Correct. growing my business. Correct. And I think, again, I mean, entrepreneurs or small businesses, medium-sized businesses, um, you don't want your top, top management stuck in that cycle of, of managing cash flow. Uh, you know, you once they enter into a contract with us, our job is to make sure that, that we're doing what we can to make sure that they have that those funds available to meet their, their current obligations, payroll, rent, uh, vendor payments. Okay. And there's a lot of positive things that we just mentioned about hiring third party and why it makes sense, especially for a business that's uh, failing. But what is one common myth about your profession that you want to debunk? About my profession. Okay, so again, two, two separate things. You've got the turnaround management people, and then you've got FSW funding, which is uh, we are a factor and an asset-based lender. So I would say the worst myth um, and the hardest thing to get over is when people think that we are, quote-unquote, a factor. Um, factoring, unfortunately, still less every day but it still has a negative connotation that, you know, that we've got a huge back room with, you know, a bunch of big guys that are going to come out and break your leg if you don't pay the invoice and, you know, and, and harassing customers. And, and, you know, that probably was what some factoring was probably back in New York, uh, you know, where it started in the apparel business. But that, you know, I think the factoring world has done a good job of moving away from that you know, I'm going to come break your legs, that kind of mob sort of status to, hey, you know what, we are, we are lenders and we truly understand your business and we, you know, we can be flexible and, and move with you and help you get past whatever hurdle you're in right now, whether it's you're growing very, very fast and, you know, you, you need, you constantly are needing to increase that credit limit or, hey, you know what, I had a bad quarter last quarter and my bank isn't lending to me. So I need somebody to find my cash flow in the interim. So, yeah, I think that the most negative connotation is just thinking of us as these uh, horrible factors that just were just collection companies. There's a right way to fight for your client and definitely not by breaking their legs. Correct. Yeah, yeah. You want to keep that relationship. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when speaking of fighting for your clients and, and for recent events here, when a pandemic floors a business, uh, what ways do you fight for your clients to help them pivot from that? So, 
a lot of our clients use us as maybe an outsourced credit department. So during the pandemic, one thing that we help our clients do is we we do we're not a bank, but but we spend a lot of time helping our clients find lenders that could offer them the PPP loans. So that was really I would say most of April was let me help my clients find a lender that they can get a PPP loan from. Um, it, it is difficult if you you know my clients don't have a banking relationship really with Wells Fargo or Chase. They're, they're, they may have a deposit relationship, but their lending relationship was with me. So again, that's we worked, we worked probably day and night making sure all of our clients were able to get the loans that they needed. Um, the second way I believe we helped our clients was helping them stay on top of collections. We, you know, we have a lot of data that our clients don't have. We have three to four different credit reporting agencies that we can go look at information and monitor the health of our clients' customers. So when they were going back in and selling to some of their customers, we could take a deep dive into the credit and say, you know what, maybe that's a good decision, or you know what, we don't we don't think that's a great decision. We're, you know, we're we can only, you know, extend credit or or buy invoices up to this dollar amount. So it was a lot of communication back and forth with our with our clients. Um, and again, just helping them do some of the collection calls, making sure that the receivables were being paid. And also, you know what, being very patient. We worked with a lot of our clients because we knew that the invoices weren't getting paid because people weren't in the offices. So we continued to fund even though we had clients that had invoices that were aging out past something we felt comfortable with because we knew that, that the whole world was upside down and, and you could have entire accounts payable departments just out of the office. And, and no one's writing checks, no one's sending payments. So we, we spent a lot of time working with our clients with that. I probably called each of my clients um, once, twice, three times during the month of April and then through May, just to make sure they were okay. Was there anything we could do? Um, how'd they see their business? Did they think their business was going to improve or not improve? And just kind of how they felt. Wow, that sounds amazing, especially the part of patience being a virtue of yours, because if you're dealing with some of that paperwork that I know is tied up with the PPP, it's, it's got to run your patience pretty thin. So, and the fact that you check on your clients, that's just a cherry on top of the ice cream. So that's, that's great to hear that. Um, I want to dive into some tech questions, if you don't mind. Sure. And um, I'm curious what your favorite software and or app to use in business is. Oh, I would say LinkedIn. LinkedIn is is an amazing website. I mean, it's, I guess it's an app too. But uh, you know, in this day and age, where and I think we're moving more towards it, where we're remote, right? So I could have a client that's talking to me from, let's say, Wisconsin, and and moving or or starting a lending relationship with a new lender can be a very stressful time. So I like LinkedIn one because I can go check out who my client is and maybe see what their background is, how long they've been with the company, um, you know, how many employees do they have. You can get a lot of research on LinkedIn. And, and also, I like to have articles and posts and different things on my LinkedIn so that those, those clients that are evaluating FSW and myself and my, my employees, they can go on there and see who we are on LinkedIn 
and, and seeing, you know, are, do we have experience? You know, do we write articles about, you know, our industry? Are we, are we, you know, known as an industry leader? Are we, you know, where are we? So we have actually, uh, I have found that LinkedIn is, is very valuable in that sense to, you know, when you can't meet people face to face, you can build credibility. Yes. And LinkedIn is very important, especially in your business to business sector and, and underutilized, I think, in the terms of communication. Uh, so there are some people that we work with that they just want to communicate via LinkedIn and we're a business to business connection and that's how they like to communicate. And that's great with us. Correct. Yeah, we, we get a little bit of that, but we usually, uh, I would say we use LinkedIn as more of, again, building the credibility on the front end, getting introductions to different people that, that we need to know or, or, you know, partners. And then from there, you know, primarily using, you know, email or, you know, we're moving to a CRM, which is you know, the customer relation management database. Well, speaking of CRMs and different pieces of software, if you had a magic wand, and you could make any type of custom technology do anything for you, any piece of software that just would pop up out of thin air that would help your business or your clients' businesses, what would that be? Well, you know, I think the CRM. And again, we are, uh, we, we're a small, we're still a small company in a sense. So we're evaluating, you know, what kind of CRM, you know, are, you know do we want to put in place? But I, we have found and what our ultimate goal is to use a CRM product like a Zoho or there's a couple other ones that we've looked at. I know there's Microsoft Dynamics that you can actually run your business from, I would say, cradle to grave. So, for example, we can, you know, bring a client, you know, uh, look for a prospect, find a prospect, make them a client. And, and, and that's CRM doesn't stop there. And then actually building it out so that operations then takes that client over, but everything is tracked through that CRM. So, for example, I can look at the the entire communication history, documents, anything else that go with that client, and it all lives in one place. And so that's kind of the project that that we're working on right now. Um, and and while it might seem like it would be simple, it is uh, it is quite an endeavor because you really want to make sure that you are careful. And you plan out each step because if you try to rush into something like that type of project, you're going to find later that, oh, I wish I would have done this or I wish I would have done that. And it's always harder to go back and fix something than to do it correctly the first time. Yep. So you're in the process right now. You haven't selected a CRM? Uh, we have not. So we have actually narrowed it down to, I believe, Zoho and uh, Microsoft Dynamics. So, and again, you know, um, you know, I'm not an expert at CRM. So, you know, we, you know, we are hiring, you know, uh, a consulting firm to help us not only select the correct CRM tool for us, but then also to help us build out that project. Whereas, okay, we're going to start with, you know, these, you know, these modules, and then we're going to build on, and then we're going to build on. So this isn't something I think that we could do overnight. This is going to be a project that's going to take us, you know, six to nine months to fully implement. For sure. And, and what would you consider uh, besides, I guess, that a technological pain point for your, your industry? Do you see a lot of subpar websites or are a lot of companies have client portals that aren't very user friendly? Uh, when failing companies merge with others, merging their software is a nightmare. Um, what kind of pain points do you see in your industry? Um, 
Okay, so yes, I would say the pain points for our industry is probably the application process. Uh, I know a lot, there's a lot of companies that are trying to help uh, alleviate the, that pain point by consolidating data. So for example, if I had a prospect and I put their name in and let's say their EIN number and some other key data that some of these applications that are coming out now would then go out and go to all the different sites that we normally pull due diligence and they would do it all and do it very quickly. So you can really cut the time of your underwriting um, drastically. So there's a couple of companies out there that are doing that. They're not, I think they're still more of a beta stage. Uh, they're trying to roll stuff out, but, but that would probably be a, a great product that would help not only asset-based lenders, but I mean, I think this is something that these companies are trying to, you know, do for us and for banks. I mean, it's, it's a much you know, larger market. And then I think the second pain point is software. Um, I think that in our industry, the software that is available to uh, factors and asset-based lenders is a little dated. Uh, we just converted to, we were on the same uh, software platform for 20 years and we just converted in May. And oh boy, that was painful. <laughs> that was a long <laughs> conversion process. And, uh, and we're still, still trying to figure stuff out. Um, and, and I don't feel that there's a, a really good software company out there that's really serving our market. Okay. Well, we work with a client that, um, had a similar issue that, uh, used third-party software mm -hmm. and they found it unreliable, but the part that got to them is they would come up with these great ideas. And they would tell this company and this company would actually implement them. But then all of their competition had all of their ideas. So they had no competitive advantage because they were using third-party software, which they ended up eventually going custom. So it sounds like that would be a, a, a good opportunity as well in your industry. Well, yes and no. Um, my industry is a, a smaller subset, let's say, of the finance world. So I don't, and, and the problem is once people are heavily invested in software, as you know, um, the cost of conversion, the cost of change, the cost of training new people is, is a very large barrier for a new software to come into. So the, the software that we have now that we just converted to, I, I would say it's 70% adequate and the rest of it, you know, we'll figure out, we'll either have other additional software products that can help us out. But I don't know if there's, I don't know if it's really cost effective to have anybody go out and, and create something brand new. Um, you know, it's a lot easier if you have a new product. Uh, and, and for example, there is a new product out in, in asset-based lending world, which is supply chain finance. Um, and the supply, it's a subset of supply chain finance. And it's really where uh, lenders like myself are going out and we're working with better companies that, that cash flow that maybe are bankable and we're actually offering them a line of credit to extend their payables and then we would pay their vendors early on their behalf and we would keep the discount so the yield is pretty much the same as factoring but it's it's kind of a there's it's and it's been around for a while but it's not really been around for the small to medium-sized market so in that case there is a need to create 
uh, software specifically for that industry. And the barrier to entry is much lower because a lot of lenders are not engaged in that in that type of lending right now. So that is really where I think you'll see some disruption. And, and you know, as a, as a side, I, I did see that. And so I, I have two other partners who we did build a software company to, to provide the software platform for supply chain finance. So we, so we did see a niche. I think you're on top of everything, Robin. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I, I have a few more questions and, and I will, I'll call this the lightning round. Uh, there are uh, just a few quick questions and answer them rapid fire. First thing that pops to your mind, there's no wrong answer, um, but there's just a handful of questions here. Are you ready for the lightning round? I think I'm door number one. Let's do it. All right. Favorite food? Meatless meatballs. Oh, okay. I, I got to pause right here and you got to expand on that. What's, what is meatless meatballs? I'm vegan, so they're meatless, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's a meatball. Is it uh, like a family recipe or is it something you get at a restaurant or um, tell me more about them? I get it at Whole Foods. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, all right. Favorite brand to follow? Ooh, that would be, I like Louis Vuitton. All right. If you had to be shipwrecked on a deserted island, but all your human needs, such as food and water, were taken care of, what two items would you want to have with you? My running shoes and my phone. All right. Robin, what does your future hold? I think my future is bright. I think that there, you know, even though we had the pandemic, I think that I, it's incredible. I talk to people every day who are making lemonade out of lemons. So I think we all just need to be, need to be positive and, and find that, that opportunity. Lastly, Besides LinkedIn, how would you like people to get in touch with you? Email, phone. Phone is great. It still works. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, just if people are hearing it right now, can you uh, say your email address and say your phone? Sure. It's Robin, R-O-B-Y-N, at funding.com. And our telephone number is 602 602- Five three five five nine eight four, and I am extension one hundred one. Perfect, Robin. Thank you so much for your time today. It was an awesome podcast, and everybody, if you or you need any of Robin's services, please reach out to her. She is completely awesome. Thanks again, and um, have. A-